powered from the Palomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Druid State Studios in California. It's episode 289 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Jared Trudeau of Christoph Cigars as our special guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Dagos Race introduces another chapter of the saga, Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a blend of Coyolo Olor and Peloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador Shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in four sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retail for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Promo 20th anniversary brand is consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Promo 20th anniversary brand of Carlos Tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Promo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos, Gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo's got a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo 30th Anniversary, Perdomo Double H 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Aids, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Inenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at perdomocigars.com. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Scars one by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest and darkest and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all Maduro Black and Scars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced. Awful and tantalizing notes of leather, chalk, and espresso. That's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Thursday Primetime Show, sponsored exclusively by... Drew Estate. Well, welcome everybody. This is Primetime Episode 289. Today is Thursday, November 30th, 2023. Will Cooper here. I'm in the Perdomo Scott Studios here on the Black Stage. And I'm joined uh, by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? It's been an interesting week, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good, good. It's, it's uh, been a very interesting post-Thanksgiving week for sure here. Yeah. Keeping um, relationships up and all that stuff. Yeah, keeping all the relationships, you know, making friends yeah. and yep. friends friends going away, you know, but uh, that yeah. happens. All right. That happens. Uh <laughs> um <laughs> among, among other things. So um <laughs> no, it was it, it, not just that. There's just some whack, like we've had wacky weather here this week. We we got down into like the twenties uh for the first time in a while tonight. Uh so that like last night, Raza. So that that was fun. Um so yeah, but otherwise, uh, kind of like I said, a little bit of a roller coaster week as we're starting to get into the Christmas season here in North Carolina. Um, yeah, I was talking with Justin before the show. It's uh, a lot of moving parts in between uh, the holidays and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I can imagine I can imagine that. Uh, was that Justin Andrews you were referring to? 
Yeah, I mean, he. I was talking to him um, a little, little bit, and it was just like you know about a bunch of travel and stuff like that, and it was it was crazy. What, yeah. what so he said, all the trips he had to take and things like that. So, um, you know, yeah, it, it, you know, I for the guys in the cigar industry, it's it, it, you know talking with Jared as well before the show. It was like, you know, he's got trips to Nicaragua and up north and all that stuff, and it's just like the amount of travel and then it's almost as if you know the holidays is uh a bit of normalcy i guess and yeah in yeah so i guess that's true i have seen a few it had actually you know we were you know with scheduling november's a very rough month to schedule guests i've noticed uh because november and september are always tough months because yeah. there's a lot of travel during those months um with um like september's got inner tobacco uh, a lot of people are doing like the post-summer you know, post-summer events now, yep. getting back into the swing of things. And then November, there's big smoke and the last push of those events before December. So I always know it's those, those are the two toughest months in terms of when we're scheduling to do those, it seems like. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. So that that's definitely. No, this, I know you're talking to Justin. He still has not invited me to do anything at Pro Cigar, by the way. I just want, <laughs> I just want that out there, Um, you know, because every year he complains that ah, I don't spend time at General. And I'm yeah. telling him I'm there and nothing i got a big yeah. big a big empty from justin so yeah, uh when, when when he complains that uh, i don't spend time with him <laughs> and pro cigar i i said hey the door is open you know guys yeah. seat at the table for me or something like that I'm, I'm not asking him for a private car or anything like that yeah. just, a seat at the table is the one thing i asked for. <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh but no and then the last thing i guess is uh just before we get into it is uh we have um we have uh I go in the hot stove. Winter meetings start, so yeah. it's going to be very, very uh, exciting week next week, baseball wise for sure. Yeah, um, I think uh, you know if if one of the big name pitchers goes, then that's open season at that point. Yeah, I think. Yeah, a couple guys wait holding out to get see if uh, Yamamoto gets signed, and once that, I think that contract happens, then it'll set yep. the stage for everybody else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and and I, like I said, I I. I think Soto is going to the Yankees. I, I actually think my theory is they're work they're trying to work an extension out for him, and that's delaying the trade. I think yeah, because I think uh you know trying to get somebody to give up a ton for him for a year and then he yeah. gets free agency is maybe yeah. not the best deal. So yeah, so I I think that might be the holdup because I I think but I don't I don't necessarily think Yamato is going to go to the Yankees either. Uh, so uh, I think there's other teams, but I think Soto is pretty much if the Yankees want him, they can get him, but they're gonna have to figure out. I think they're gonna have to extend that contract, otherwise they're not gonna give up those prospects. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, one last thing, Aaron. I didn't tell you this. So we have Les Mann as our guest next week. Yeah. And Les kind of comes to me today and he goes, "Hey, would you guys be interested in talking about my baseball cards and baseball cards?" And, bring- <laughs> and I'm like, "Uh." He goes, I think it'll be really good. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding? Like, Let's yeah. So, so he's 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 signed up for that. Yeah. He's nice. gonna be bringing like he's gonna be bringing props, which is pretty cool. Oh, I was okay, like, yeah, cool. oh yeah. I'm like, bring it, man. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I just uh, was messing him out. And I said, so that's good. Cause, Cause yeah, I think you guys are sports guys. <laughs> it's like, yep, yep, yep. All right. Hey, so let's bring in our guest tonight, Aaron. Uh, he's be uh. He hasn't been he hasn't been on a while, but uh, always a good good friend of our show, going way back. He's the vice president from uh, Christoph Cigars. He is Jared Trudeau. Jared, welcome back to Primetime. What's up, dog? How are you? Good. Now, I'm going to make it very clear. Your name was spelled right. 
from the beginning in, in, in here. We didn't do no typos with your name. The level of professionalism is, is uh, <laughs> unparalleled. Yeah. Yes. We've it's, always it's had the epidemic. ID in there. Yeah, I've always known it, about it. It is epidemic. <laughs> there, there is people, and I should ask my, my parents maybe why they spelled my name so stupid, <laughs> but I, there are people who will type my name into an email and then the first thing will be, hi, Jared, spelled any one of four incorrect ways. Right, right. And it's like, it's like you just did it. <laughs> yeah. it just, it's just above. It's just above. But no, there's nothing I can do. Nothing I can do. But you guys fucking nailed it. Yeah, we nailed it. No, I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's, you're the only, well, you're the only Jared I know who spells it this way. So, yeah. um, so in a way, knowing that up front, it's easy. That part's easy to remember. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's no, it's no big deal. I don't care how you spell. <laughs> I show up. Yes, you. Do. Uh, yeah, you show up, but you care. <laughs> yeah. Uh but what's going on? I mean, we haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen you since PCA. Uh, you've definitely been busy. I know we were. You know, when we were trying to get this date. We were going back a few months on this date. So, um, I know you were very busy, and uh, but that's, I guess, a good thing to have, right? Yeah, yeah, we've been running around um, between being at Inter to Back and then coming back and right afterwards having the big two guys event um, in the New England Cigar Expo and then just kind of moving around a lot um, over the last few months. So I'm glad we were able to get it nailed down. It seems like I've got to go to the factory next week um, for our factory Christmas party with all the sales reps and everything. Um, and then when I get back, it should be, oh, I've got to go up to New England again um the week after but other than that um i should have a solid two weeks of being at home before the new year starts so um yeah yeah it's been good it's been crazy the reception on the new stuff has been really good so we've been traveling a lot with that um and yeah 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 no that's good that's good um and um the uh we're gonna get into a lot of that stuff here as far as that goes um and i'm like gonna be i'm lighting up i just uh I'm gonna light up the Christoph Guardrail Robusto here, so I know nice. we'll be we'll be talking about that one. Um, but let me kind of start off, Garrett, because uh, Garrett, when we were at the um trade show this year, uh, we were talking with you. By the way, no kidding, I'm not kidding. The Christoph booths had to be one of the most difficult booths to get time with you guys this year. That that's not I'm not knocking you guys. You guys were really busy this year. Yeah, I we mean, were slammed. Because I yeah, think we came yeah. three days. I think we came three. And you guys are always, like, great. And I know when you guys can't, you got, and I saw the amount of people in there, you guys were busy, let me tell you. Yeah, no, no. Uh, it was really good. Again, yeah. uh, kind of carried a lot by the new product and having a really good team in place right now. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. We were super busy every day. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's a, definitely a blessing to have that happen. But. Did, did, not good for you. Not good. <laughs> not good for you, <laughs> no, no, you guys. Made, oh, it was. It ahead. was fine. It was. It was fine. You guys were in a very strategic booth booth location too. You were like front center. I mean, which makes it a little yeah. easier. Uh, as opposed to having to go back to one of the corners, right? So it made it. It made it kind of easy, but uh, no. Um, and but yeah, you guys definitely had a busy show. One thing that when we were talking to Glenn about, and this was something that was a little bit of a surprise, and, and I guess. It's great news is you guys are, are getting ready to undergo a major packaging uh, change in the portfolio. Um, yeah, yeah, we are. Um, so we, we've looked at, um, we've tried to 
kind of stretch our legs a little bit with some of these new projects, the Nicaragua, the guardrail, the uh, Trace Compadres, um, as well as some of the uh, limited release stuff. So like the PCAs and the TAs and stuff and tried to kind of get a feel for um, what our product looks like in different kind of packaging formats and things like that. And we've realized with the reception from people on all of this and feedback from guys like you and, and uh, the, the consumers um, that it's something that we could totally do. Um, you know, the fear is always, you know, for 20 years as of this upcoming year, um, every, every Kristoff has been in, you know, the rough cut cedar packaging yeah. with the uncut tobacco and the uncut foot and all that stuff. Um, and so the fear is always that it won't be as recognizable um, in the humidor with new packaging. But then on the other hand, when you look at it and you realize it's very often, it's, you know, you walk into a humidor and there's, you know, a thousand facings of boxes and ours are tend to be, you know, brown, brown paper on brown boxes with brown writing. And it's like, all right, maybe we could do a little bit more at retail to, to stand out. Maybe the novelty of being the only cigar that was packaged sort of in that way is not there really anymore. Um, so plus, you know, brands change, brands evolve. And uh, there's an opportunity after 20 years for us to look back and say, all right, what have we learned? And how do we apply this kind of going forward? And so we're super excited about this. Uh, and where it is an enormous undertaking. I bet. Uh, to say to say the least. Yep. Um, when, when you have product that's marketed in 50-something countries and things like that, there's a lot of logistics that go involved with box sizing and labeling and packaging and warning labels. And, and uh, not to mention the actual design component, which is the most labor-intensive. Um, yeah. Especially for, like for me, um, I'm happy to be involved in it and stuff like that. But Glenn is the one that has the eye for the design and the packaging right. and stuff like that. So he's the, the design guy. Um, and so, you know, we'll look at a rendering from a designer or something. And I just feel like so useless because it's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't really like it. And they're like, oh, what would you change? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just it, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. And so, because I, I don't speak that language, I don't know, you know, how to specifically, you know, generate, uh, a different proof or sample or something. And, you know, it's really funny. I took a piece of paper and I'm like, all right, this is my vision, right? Like I'm going to try to clarify. And it was just a fucking box with Christoph written in the middle of it. And it was like, okay, this isn't productive for anybody. I can't, I can't articulate this. So um, right. anyways, yeah, it's a huge undertaking and it's something that we're taking really seriously. Um, so, yeah. No, uh, you know, when I, uh, when I actually got the Christoph guardrail, and I actually have a box of those. And, you know, I figured I started looking at the band. This is before I knew the news. And then I looked at the box. I'm like, all right, they didn't go rough cut with this. It's like a guardrail. Doesn't really make sense, right, with the theme. So I kind of just thought you guys were doing something a little different with it. Uh, then I saw some of the new product, which we're going to get into, which was the same. I kind of wondered a little more. And now, obviously, the, you're going to be going back to the whole portfolio and and and, and under undertaking uh, this. How is that going to be a gradual process? Is it going to be a big bang? How are you guys going to take that on? Yeah, I mean, we're we're working through the logistics. It, 
you know, you guys have talked to enough people that are involved with the printing of bands yeah. and the designing of bands and yeah. things like that. It, whatever you want to happen is not what happens. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, you get put in the blender. So we're starting with, uh, you know, to, to kind of peel it back a little bit, like we're starting, you know, the design language, kind of getting the design language squared away with one blend. And then the idea is for that to make its way out to the rest of the portfolio, how we're going to lay it out, um, where we're still working through with the team. And it depends on a lot of things. It depends on um, whether, how quickly um, we can get all of the designs approved and, and put together for all of the products. Cause it's, it's an, every blend is a new skew. Um, every box has a different size Vista and stuff like that, you know, so it all, it's all different. Um, but really the, the key is this is among the most important things that we've done in 20 years. Yeah. And we can't mess it up. Sure. No, um, I, I agree. So we, we, we're leaning kind of, even if it might be a cop out, we're leaning more towards being conservative with the way that we release this stuff. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want it to, to be, we don't want to, you know, release one and then have a million people come to the booth to see the new packaging, see this one, and then say, oh, when is the rest of the stuff going to have this? And we say, oh, maybe six months. And they're like, all right, well, then I'll wait till then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's, it's right. so it doesn't really make sense to do it via attrition or do it particularly slow. But it also doesn't make sense to wait to do a good idea either. So we're trying to kind of trying to navigate you know, that kind of stuff, but it's an internal process that we're working through. Right. So, so at the, at the crux of what you guys are doing, um, the loose tobacco is going away. That's the first thing. That'd probably be a fair thing to guess. Yeah. Okay. The, and the boxes are changing. Like Glenn calls, Glenn has always referred to this packaging as the rustic elegance look, right? So the boxes are going to be these more sleek looking boxes, kind of what we've seen on the new stuff and and the guardrail, that, that type of style. Yeah, I think we're moving from rustic elegance to like more uh, elegance. Okay, you know, like yeah. traditional, right. traditional elegance with with also you know we have our packaging now is very understated. You know, um, the bo- even the box label, the word Kristoff is is not particularly big. It's right. you know um, it's centered. It doesn't take up very much of the vista. Um, so. We want to use up more of our available space that we have in retailers all over the world. We want to take up more of the available space on the box Vista to do a better job advertising the product to people that might just walk in. Um, so it, it might not be instantly identifiable as Kristoff from a rough cut and the way that it's always looked, right. but the, it'll still have the box talkers and the marketing and branding on the, on the boxes will be much bigger and more prominent. So it'll be easier to identify, we think. After right. some time. Now the, the bands are the bands changing as well. Like yeah, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Which is again, it's an entirely yeah. different yeah. design process. That um, you know, when we buy bands, we might buy a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand yeah. at a time. Right. And so the factory has tons and tons of these. So there's also a level of attrition that we have to hope for in the coming months before we're able to release it wholesale to, to be able to thin down some of that 
inventory uh, in, in bands and stuff. But the reality is I would, I would rather, if we have everything ready, the design stuff is ready, it's right. We are excited about it. Retailers are excited about it that we ask for feedback. Uh, we want to get it out there. Um, so if I've got a stack of bands sitting around, I mean, it's just, right. you know, kind of uh, casualty. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I get that uh, as well. Um, so no, and you, you guys, because you guys have a big portfolio. This is like not, you, you guys have, I mean, how many, you have a lot of SKUs, that's all I can say. I, I don't know the number. Yeah. But... yeah, between blends and sizes, like we probably have 20-something different blends. Yeah. With between three to, say, six sizes each. So it, it ends up getting into the, you know, 100-plus SKUs, not to mention samplers, front marks for, uh, for like, uh, you know, the four-pack samplers, eight-pack samplers, things like that, and bulk and international SKUs um, that are packaged differently in different quantities. There's there's a there's a lot going on, yeah. I actually just pulled up your website on the machine here. You're not kidding. He, 20, you have 20 different blunts, 20 different lines. Yeah. Um yeah. so that that is an enormous amount. So you're right. Yeah. I guess this is this this is a major undertaking you guys are doing. Uh at a level I don't know if I've seen 20 lines change like this. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot. Um, and, you know, like the, the frustrating thing is like, and, and it is the same in everything and in every business, like nobody shares your sense of urgency and enthusiasm around whatever the undertaking is when you yeah. are doing it yourself. So that's, that's another thing is like trying to make sure that we, um, manage our expectations and, and also realize kind of looking inward, like. I, in my mind, it has to be perfect. It has to be exactly what we want because we're not going to be able to, you can't put the shit back in the horse. You know what we, we are not going to be able to do this again. Uh, no. It's been 20 years since we, and we're doing it for the first time. So um, yeah, we, we've got to make sure it's right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you're hundred percent right. Uh, I'm just putting up the lines there to see, but uh, I know one company that, that made a major packaging change about 15 years ago and, they it was bad for them, so uh, they had to go undo it, and it's worse to undo it. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you can't. You have to just kind of jump in with both feet and 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 hope it works, and hope the feedback's good. Yeah, um, and 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 there's ways you can mitigate that, you know, by asking for feedback from people in advance. Uh, like you know, once we are further along, I would expect that you guys would hear from us. And, and get to get some kind of feedback and as well as uh, retail partners all over the place. We, we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing by them because it's really them yep. um, who, who are going to have to, you know, put it on the shelf. So yep. um, we're going to make sure we do that. Understood. Understood. Um, you know, you, you went through a very rough thing a couple, almost two years ago uh, when Rolando passed away down at the factory. Um What's happened down at the factory right now? Who's kind of like running things? Is, is Glenn now taking? Glenn always was the lead on the blends, but kind of where where's the whole? Fa how are you guys doing with the factory right now? Uh, we're we're doing fine. So the so Rolando's uh, sister, she was the CFO and had been with him from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, she's 
she's been there kind of on the operations side from the beginning. So the running, the day-to-day running of the factory as a business has not been, been impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what we were concerned about was having our, you know, like our tobacco whisperer right, that right. We, we, we can collaborate with um, being gone. But fortunately for us, um, Rolando had spent the last 10 years grooming his uh, kind of assistant um, in all of these things, whether right. it's buying, sourcing, blending, production management, all of these kind of things. And his name is Renzo. Um, and it's it's weird because usually, we, you know, this will be our 20th year, like I said a couple of times. And um, usually for 20 years, Glenn has gone down to the Dominican Republic. And when we, we go down there, we do the same thing. We get off the plane, we go to Pedro's, we have something to eat, we smoke a cigar, we go to Rolando's office, sit there, and it's a collaborative kind of like, okay, what do we want to, what is this project that we want to do? What kind of tobaccos are involved with it? Usually in advance, we would have whatever we needed sourced. And then uh, we would just get to blending um, and spend three or four days down there blending. And if we needed longer, we'd take longer and fly back and forth a few times to get everything squared away. Well, Renzo um, obviously was really nervous. being being in the room with us, knowing that we're their, you know, we're the the biggest client, you know, yeah. and, and are ninety percent of the volume of the of the factory, and not wanting to screw up. So, in, in communicating, this is when we were working on this whole thing happened when we started working on the Nicaragua and the Trace Compadres and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're sitting there saying like, you know, we Renzo, we want a Nicaraguan puro and. We would get sam- we would get stuff. We want a Nicaraguan puro. We want these fillers that we sourced as part of it in these proportions, and we want you to just execute whatever this blend is. And he would come back and be like, um, "This is that stuff that you asked for, but I put a you know a rapiraca binder on it or something." And we'd be like, "No, man! Like the whole point, right, <laughs> is that it's you know all we bought this Nicaraguan stuff, this Nicaraguan wrapper that we were interested in." Um, we want this to be included. And then, so there was a lot, this kind of hesitancy and inability to communicate that was going on. But then um, we were able to tell him like, listen, breathe, man, sit down <laughs> in the room with us, have a beer. Right. And let's just talk about what we're trying to do. And then after that, he's just been absolutely nailing it. Like he has been a really good resource for us. He's been doing an outstanding job. Um, and we're super happy to have him. Rolando did a great job bringing him up. So we have not faced really um, production issues at the factory or uh, above and beyond what the rest of the industry kind of sure, is, sure. is experiencing. Um, we haven't felt it, um, it besides for that relationship, like kind of uh, mentorship thing that we had with Rolando. We haven't really felt it um, in, in a meaningful way, which was kind of shown by our ability to execute on the Nicaragua and trace compadres in time for the trade show and have that project be successful as it has been. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's been, it's been good. We've been really lucky. Uh, and Renzo has been doing an unbelievable job, uh, picking up the, the slack there. So, uh, yeah. No, it's great to hear, you know, that, that factory, you, you guys have a lot of tobacco you work with. I mean, it's just, there's, 
I, I was trying to before the show when I was prepping, I was trying to think, what is there a Christoph cigar that there's a tobacco that I'd like to see them work with? And and I really couldn't think of I I, I thought there's one cigar I maybe thought of you guys could do um, was a Dominican Puro, right? That's the one thing maybe I thought you guys could do. But you, you, you did the Nicaraguan one, too. But but otherwise, I just couldn't really think of one, Jared. When I went, I mean, I'm smoking the guardrail with the Zimbabwe tobacco in it. So, I mean, there's a lot of different tobaccos you guys have at your disposal there, for sure. So, I mean, it's, a, it's good that you guys can continue to, like, you know, work with this factory for over 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And they're, re- they're really uh... – the people at the factory yeah. are really good partners for us and um, we work really well together and um, it's, it's been, it's been good. It's, and like, it's really impressive to see the amount of tobacco that we have and, and the amount of different stuff that we're able to organize and, yeah. and keep in, in production schedule correctly. And um, it's hard when you don't grow your own tobacco because, you know, you grow your own tobacco and you know pretty much what you're working with, you know, uh, in every blend, you know what the filler is going to be for the most part. Proportions change, whatever, whatever. But it's 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 certainly not easy to grow tobacco. But at least there's kind of that constant pipeline. It's difficult for us to source, like with our Cameroon. You know, Miracle Cameroon's really hard to buy. Uh, real Cameroon's really hard to buy. Um, so staying in business on a skew like that is difficult. Um, and we don't want to cheat. So right, right, right. That's, oh, you know, so or, that that's the thing. When you right. find it, you have to buy all of it. Uh, and that's kind of shits up your processing pretty good. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's a uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, Jared, Bear and I were having a conversation with um, Ferry Ortego and Casada and Ferry Ortego, Nat Sherman, they go back a long time. And we were starting to look at companies that had a 20-year factory, client-factory relationship. And you can count them on one hand, Jared, and you guys are one mm. of them. So if you think about it, I, I mean, you guys have been with uh, – it's Von Eichen now is the factory name, right? It's Von Eichen, but it was Charles Fairman. It was Charles Fairman, but it's the same factory, yeah. So, yeah, same. I mean, so you guys have that tw- – I know there was a couple of lines you went with another factory, but you've always had the relationship with this factory from day one. And I think – that's got to be something you guys are proud of. And I think it's, it is, it's like I said, I can count those on one hand that long of a relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really special. And the relationship Glenn and Rolando had, and all of us had with Rolando was, is really, was really important. And, you know, these are all like seminal kind of building blocks to the brand. And uh, now, you know, there's with, with everything that we're doing, we're kind of trying to continue to make him proud and, and 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 keep pushing that way but yeah. we're really lucky to have this stability and this relationship um and every time we've gone outside of our factory it's been a fucking nightmare so yeah there's there's no absolutely no reason to to look outwards um like for example we we did the line that we did make outside of our factory um was a nightmare and then we took all of the blends which we blended them like we you know, right. we liked them. Um, and so the the Connecticut one from the other factory became our Connecticut. The Brazilian Habano became our Habano. The Sanita de Plata became our San Andres. Um, so uh, we liked the blends. We liked the tobacco. It was just the execution was poor and the quality was poor. And that's why they got pulled from the shelves immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember. I remember. 
I remember those lines. And then that box press kind of became your cigar, right? Yeah, I both like <laughs> box press cigars. Right, yeah. right. It, have... It's I. I mean, yeah. it's a different. The, it's yeah. certainly a different blend. The, yeah. the JT compared but, to that. Yeah. You brought a box press in, yeah. I yeah, I've always liked box press cigars yeah. for for no other reason than right. they don't roll off the table when you put them down, and yeah. they they seem to. I I just like the draw. I like the way it feels. So yeah. Uh, I definitely want to do it again. Now, now, you guys have been, I'd say, pretty busy for. Like, Christoph hasn't always been a company to come out with new lines every year. And you guys, you know, I always kind of saw in every other year pattern, but the last couple of years, you guys have definitely been on fire in terms of the innovation. You guys have, you, you have had several new lines coming out. Uh, I'm smoking the guardrail, which came out last year. And I know it's a couple we're going to talk about today. So you, you guys are definitely stepping on the gas as far as some of that goes. Yeah, yeah. When, when we say, like, the guardrail was a special project. We, what, what we've, what I don't want to do is, is wear two hats. Uh, you know, you know, like there's no reason to put on two hats. Um, okay. So like the, the initial idea with the, with the Zimbabwe and tobacco was to do a Zimbabwe cigar, you know, and right. potentially donate a portion of the proceeds from the cigar back to the villages that farm it and stuff right. like that. And like kind of have it be, but, the reality is that tobacco was just not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it, I think maybe in three generations or something like that, you know, not human generations, but tobacco generations, mm-hmm. it'll, you know, maybe in 300 years, it'll be good enough. No, no, it, it, it in three tobacco, in three plantings, I right, think right. maybe it'll start smoothing out in a way that we could use it in a, in a bigger way. But right now it just, it, it, it just wasn't ready. Um, uh, for that. So we ended up incorporating that into the guardrail, which again, the Zimbabwe tobacco is a draw plus the guardrail story out of context. It sounds like a silly name for a cigar in context. It makes total sense. So, um, combining those two kind of ideas made that project really successful. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to kind of with the, with the Nicaraguan release, like, you know, we're known for being a Dominican company. We use tobaccos from everywhere, but um, we're certainly known for being a Dominican company. And we want, we wanted to try the, uh, try to incorporate some of these really great tobaccos coming out of Nicaragua that we already use some of them, you know, for combustion and for uh, flavor and for whatever, all these, all these different kind of elements. We use a lot of Nicaraguan tobacco already, but it's never been the star of any of our blends. And we want that to be, the story with the Nicaragua and the Trace Compadres. And so when we get excited about something, we jump right into it. So these last couple of years have been important for that. Yeah, I was, uh, um, when when you kind of told me about these cigars, I was this was literally the eve of the trip. I mean, actually, I'm looking at the date. It was a July 4th or July 5th, it was, actually. So this was literally the eve of the trade show, and Jared, like, drops this on me. I'm like, holy shit, he's got, they got... Not one Nicaraguan puro, but two Nicaraguan puros, which again, I, you guys have not done a Nicaraguan puro before, so this was definitely something something different. Uh, and the fact that it was two lines coming at the show, I'm like, you know, plus plus your PCA exclusive, you guys were going in with with with, with a pretty good line there, uh, lineup. Excuse me. So Garrett, Garrett, there was a Christoph Nicaragua and the Trace Compadres. They're both Nicaraguan puros. Was what was the chicken and egg here? Was was Trace Compadres a project, and then Nicaragua came from that, or were you guys working on the Nicaragua thing, and then the Trace Compadres thing kind of fit in with that? No, we when we first we originally 
jumped into the Nicaraguan project. And really, that was just the, the idea was, look, we're going to come up with a really great Nicaraguan cigar showcasing some of these really great tobaccos coming from there now. And when we were when we were blending it, I think, I don't know if it was the second or third day or whatever, we finally kind of hit a little breakthrough and started making progress. And then it snowballed. And then we ended up at the end of that day, like, oh my God, like this is a really, this is really good. Right. Um, and we were there for another couple of days and we're like, oh, well, let's keep working through it um, and, and keep using this tobacco in a different way. And then we came up with the with the second blend that we really really liked using those Nicaraguan tobaccos with kind of changing up the binder changing up the filler proportions and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and we were like okay this is really good too um and then we were kind of Sophie's choice in it like you know okay we've got one idea for this Nicaraguan project and then we realized you know we're in Rolando's office he's got a literally he has a picture frame with Glenn, his best friend Chuck, and Rolando in it. Um, and the kit frame of the picture says Trace Compadres. And we were like, I mean, come on. Right, right. right. Like we were kind of taking a break, that, yeah. having a beer. Yeah. And Glenn was like, oh, it's weird being in Rolando's office without his desk here and stuff. It's got like a big conference table in it now yeah. and stuff. And then we're looking around the room and kind of pointing at stuff and saying, oh, I remember that, you know, when we, whatever. And we saw the picture frame. We're like, I mean, if that's not a perfect project, what is? Right, right. And we just kind of, it just kind of hit us, and that's how that kind of came out. Um, so it was really the tobacco that kind of inspired these two blends. It wasn't. We didn't go down setting out to do it. It, it was the tobacco that inspired sure. both of them. Sure. So you have these two Nicaraguan poros, different stories behind them. Had what what maybe are some of the differences between the blends that you know like if consumers are picking up these cigars they can look for is one stronger than the other? How how do they kind of differ? Yeah, so the the tres compadres it has the binder is condega and the tobaccos tend to be in that one a little bit milder. Um, so that's a really creamy, um, really kind of like toasty, nutty kind of profile to it. Um, uh, much more on the mild medium side. Um, whereas the Nicaragua that has a Corojo binder and the tobaccos tend to be a little bit spicier and a little bit bolder. Um, and so that ends up uh, being more on the medium, medium plus side. So that's kind of the big difference between the two is I would say the, the trace compadres is definitely more on the mild side. Right. Right. Um, but it's got a ton of flavor. It's really, both of the blends are are just really good. Nice. Now, I saw when I was going through some of the materials when this was announced, I saw that Nicaragua is going to be under something called the Heritage Series. And so is that a bigger that sounds like it's something that's going to be a bigger initiative you guys are thinking of? Is what What's that about? Yeah, so that kind of came up because the idea of doing a Nicaraguan Puro and again in classic Christoph style with our inability to name cigars creatively, we just called it the Nicaragua Right. So just like our Connecticut, Maduro, you know, all that stuff. So that's kind of how we name stuff is simple and clean and it, it easy works. to understand. Garrett, it works. I, I think you, I know, mean, you, you don't have to yeah. overthink it sometimes. It works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's in every other consumer packaged goods industry. They try to make 
the product as identifiable as the thing you'd like to buy yeah. as possible, except for this one, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's where they make it as uh, convoluted and, and literally put it in a different language. Um, so um, we, we don't do that. We try to make it as simple and easy to understand as possible. And also, um, we, we uh, with, so with the Nicaragua, we came out with that and we were like, you know, kind of what you were suggesting, you know, let's, let's frame this as kind of our love letter to this tobacco that we've worked with for a long time. And then maybe there's an opportunity to do a Dominican Puro. Right, maybe right. there's an opportunity to do kind of other stuff in the series down the road. So we kind of just left it, left it open that way, uh, whether we do that or not, we, we aren't, we aren't sure, but um, at the very least, yeah, that was the idea behind the heritage series is, you know, do something, do something showcasing the tobaccos of a particular region or country. Yeah, no, I did. I, I think it's a, it's a, it's kind of something you long overdue, you know, in, in your line. If you think about it, like I said, you've had, you have over 20, 20 lines and these are your first two. So congratulations on, on, on that. You guys really kept the pricing uh, of these cigars in a good range. I, I want to say they were in the ten, eleven dollar range. These cigars, or nine fifty to eleven dollars, right? It, it, so you yeah. guys were able to really do some aggressive pricing in this market right now, for sure. Well, I mean, pigs eat and hogs get slaughtered, right. and it's 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 you can only go to the well so many times and yeah. expect the cons- the cons- the end user and the and the retailer to to accept that your costs have increased that much. I mean, that, you know, we do, and, and the costs really have increased. I mean, it, it really has. Right. Like we talk to our processors and their, and their, um, their raw material input cost has gone up anywhere from 30 to 60% um, based on the tobacco. And, and that gets carried through the entire supply chain, not, notwithstanding the cost of shipping and, and transit sure. and things like that. Um, and, you know, labor and, and, and all these different things. So everything has gotten more expensive. So there is a price increase. But one of the things that we did that's a little different is last year when we did a price increase, um, we did um, another, you know, retail kind of minded change, which is uh, price moving. So we looked at our portfolio and realized, you know, there's some things that we haven't touched in, 12 years in terms of pricing. And there's some things that we've touched three times in the last five years, right? Uh, we, we, we don't really do a ton of price increases. We don't typically even do an annual price increase. Um, there's a, a period of time where we hadn't done, we've done three price increases in, in 18 years leading up till COVID and, and around then. So um, we, we went back through the portfolio and realized we can bring some skews way closer to in line with what the market is doing. And as a result, some of the things that were out of our power band, um, some of the Maduro product that was that that started at a higher price and ended up getting price increased outside of the, the band that we wanted it to be in, we were actually able to reduce prices on some SKUs um, to make it so that all of our Robustos, for example, are 950, all of our uh, matadors and stuff are 1050 and, and, and Gordos are 1075 or $11. So we were able to make it so that every skew in the entire portfolio, if you ask me how much the Robusto cost, I can say MSRP is 950. Yep. Um, this is a 950 so, cigar. I know this is 950. The one I'm smoking. Yep. Is, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so some prices went up, some prices went down. It netted to a price increase across the portfolio for sure. But a lot of really fast moving SKUs like the pissed off and GC signature and stuff like that actually had, and the vengeance had its price come down um, as a result, which when do you see that nowadays? Yeah, right. Um, uh, a skew coming, coming down in price. So, um, and again, it just makes it a lot easier for the retailer when they're pricing. It makes it easier for the consumers. It makes it easier for us when we're selling at events and stuff like that. And um, it was just a, a, a really positive change that we're going to stick to. But we try to be competitive. Um, you know, this is a really good time to be smoking cigars. There are so many good companies out there that are making great product. And we just want to be in there with them. We don't, we don't want to outprice ourselves or sure. underprice ourselves. We, we want to be, we want to be in the thick of it with everybody else. What, what is your most premium line that you have? What is the most, which one is, is it the vengeance? The, no, the 685 Woodlawn. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, that would make sense. That, that yeah. perfecto. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. That's a big perfecto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, what, I can't believe that's a 10 year old line already, Jared. It's crazy, huh? It's crazy because I remember, I really remember 2013 uh, when I had that. That's why. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's just, there's just events in my life that I can remember. And when that came out, yeah. So, um, but that's good. You guys, you guys also, um, and you guys also did your PCA exclusive this year. Uh, I think you, uh, by the way, uh, I got to really hats off on the presentation you guys did, um, on that PCA exclusive, uh, that white really, I thought was very elegant on that cigar. Um, so you guys did, a, I've been critical of a lot of the PCA packaging and that, that, that was very good by the way. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. It's it clean, simple, elegant. That's kinda yeah. Yeah. the story. Yeah. I, I'm going to hold off on some PCA talk until. The, the final segment, but yeah, just so folks, so Jared is also now on the PCA board, so uh, I can imagine uh, having a PCA cigar is no big surprise there. No, yeah, and you and you want to do it, give back to your organization, and yeah, um, support it, create some buzz around it. So. I mean, you you guys have always you guys have always done that, whether it's TAA or PCA. Uh, you guys have done those, uh, supported those organizations. Um, whether it's exclusive or early, I know you guys did a lot of early release stuff too with the with the TAA. So I remember that. So I mean, you guys have always always supported that, which is good. Now with the short turnaround time, um, are you guys gonna be able to have another PCA exclusive uh, in March, or are you gonna yeah. bring back this one? Yeah, yeah, we yeah we will. Um, it it's it is a short turnaround, but like we all knew about it. <laughs> You know, so it's yeah, like, yeah. It's, I, it, I imagine you had a little inside skinny on it before everyone else. Yeah, and we, but yeah, but everybody knew that it yeah. was going to be earlier in the year. Yeah, um, we've known this entire year that it was going to be earlier in the year, year next year, really. So, um, it wasn't like you know anybody that's really scrambling is just either un, uninformed or unprepared. Yeah. You know, we we all knew. Uh, the The problem is that you really can't get over is um the factory in the dominican republic you know they take almost two months off for the religious holiday around christmas and stuff Mm -hmm. and so that's really unfortunate timing given the context of a of a march trade show um yeah Yeah. so uh yeah we're that's going to be a thing right uh is is having it will we have a pca exclusive yes will it ship at pca who fucking Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And now, 
Yeah, so that that's of course. Now that PC that that PCA exclusive was that it was that uh, a box press off the the uh, the Maduro line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it definitely was in, inspired by the original Maduro line. In, yeah, in a box press. That's kind of the way that we've taken these uh, exclusives. Right. Make an interesting sell good selling size, so like a box press Toro, and um, take a good blend that we'd all like to try. Yeah. In that format and and release it that way. Um, yeah. So that's another way that we're able to continue to to do that. Yeah. Do these on a consistent basis is it doesn't entirely interrupt our production schedule. Yeah. Uh, by by using existing stuff exactly exactly now you mentioned it is the 20 year next year um i'm not going to ask specifics on products or anything but um will we expect to start at least seeing the celebration at pca for for the 20s is this something you guys are going to be show you know is it, or is it you going to be low-key about it you gonna do, do a big splash on it how are you guys going to handle the 20th now you you should certainly expect to see something in and around the 20th anniversary at the train show. I okay. would say if there's something that we would be working on right now, it would be a 20th anniversary right. project. Okay. Um, and it, again, that's another thing. Just like the packaging, where it's an important milestone. Right. The skew has to be the product has to be really really good. So we have smoked so many of these 20th <laughs> anniversary. Uh, blends that we're sending notes in on and making changes on and Glenn has been like up to his eyeballs in these things and you know every week there's a text hey did you smoke did you smoke you know 18 yet and what you know and how many of them have you smoked and blah 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 you know like it's yeah so it's been a process of of uh for sure trying to um get this nailed down and Glenn really because it is a really important uh, milestone for us. Glenn's really trying to get it perfect, um, which can't blame. So um, that's another thing with having all the reps in the Dominican Republic next week. I would imagine we're going to be smoking a ton of uh, a ton of those. And, I can imagine and making sure that's fleshed out. Uh, that would be awesome. That's going to be awesome for you guys. Yeah. So that's good. So is this a real sales meeting, Jared, or is this one of these like Dominican? It's a, you said it's a party, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm it's, dreading. Uh, I'm dreading my my team sales meeting in January. That's why I'm just like, I wish I had something like <laughs> mine. Mine's PowerPoint for five days. No, that will not be that. Um, <laughs> it, it's we we really want to get. I mean, we had an outstanding year. We had a, a a year with double digit growth. A year with really good product coming out. A year with a fuck a really consistent team um, coming out and and doing a really good job for us out there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really a, a thank you to them for, uh, putting in a really solid year of work and, and, sure, and sure. Yeah, no, real, every single sales rep in the company was up double digits this year, which is for a 20 year old company, it's very difficult to achieve at scale. So, yeah. um, it's super impressive. I'm really happy with the team. They've done a great job and, uh, we really just want to say thank you and, and acknowledge the hard work that they've done and, um, there will be, you know, where, you know, where we've got a huge house down there. And so we'll be sitting out there by the pool, smoking and talking work probably the entire time to my wife's dismay. Um, but it's, there's definitely going to be work done. And, and when we're at the factory, uh, we do have, you know, agendas and stuff like that for what we want to accomplish and talk about during, uh, you know, the sales meeting. 
but the majority of it is to get everybody together, acknowledge what they've done and, and talk through a lot of these really seminal decisions that we have to make coming up here within the next few months around repackaging new product, um, the anniversary project, stuff like that. So we just want to have our whole team's input on it. That's good. I, I mean, in, in, I, I say it a little jest, but I do think there is something when, you, when your team can see the factory and see the process. Uh, obviously, it, it gives them more credibility when they're selling the product. So, I mean, that is a good thing. For sure. For, for sure. For I, sure. I, I, I'm just jealous because my, my sales meetings are nothing like that. <laughs> no. My, no, my are, previous life sales meetings. <laughs> yeah, you know what that is. Yeah. We're not, we're, not, we're not this. We're not at a mansion no. in the Dominican no. Republic with a barbecue guy grilling yeah. and a bartender. They were not that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get even with everyone during Pro Cigar, so that's okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. All right. Aaron, anything we want to hit product wise with Jared before we kind of move to some of the other stuff? No, I think we covered it pretty well. All right. So Jared, uh, we've got a few other things we're gonna do with you. Um before we close out this first segment, the next two segments are shorter, just so you know. Um we have a couple of our uh our our, our um our fun segments. Uh, this is the first one is called the, uh, the Florida sun grown beef segment. And this is a, a question around beef. Um, and I'm going to use the question I threw out on uh, a previous show, just cause we're around Thanksgiving. And so this is not necessarily a beef question, but it's a meat question. And Jared, I want to know if you can't have Turkey on Thanksgiving, what kind of meat do you want? Dark. Dark. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dark meat without question. <laughs> dark. Yeah. As opposed to white meat. Yeah. So no chicken, no pork. You want like? Oh, what what was the what was the question though? The question I, was I, I if you can't have turkey, if you can't have turkey, what meat? I thought you said if you if you can have turkey. Oh, okay, okay, okay. What kind of meat would you dark? Yeah, I understand why you were confused now. <laughs> yeah, dark. Uh, yeah, uh, milk steaks, milk steaks. No, I, I. No. <laughs> I if I couldn't if I couldn't have turkey dark yeah just spoiled spoiled meat yeah that would be um if I if I well first of all I prefer to have nearly anything other than turkey turkey sucks a lot of people don't like turkey and and the turkey apologists they'll say oh well you've never had uh, deep fried turkey or you've never had this and you're wrong it still sucks it's still worse than other meat <laughs> it, it, when and it's you dried know, there's nothing wrong with it. it's really bad when it's dry I'll say. It's but it's always dry. You you have you have you know uh, amateurs who cook a turkey once a year making this turkey. I think you could take the best turkey in the entire world and put it up against a mediocre outback steak, and I would still <laughs> prefer to have the outback ribeye over the best turkey that I've ever had. I mean, it just isn't a particularly good meat. There's a reason we eat it once a year, or processed. Uh, you know, assholes and elbows ground up into deli turkey. It there's there is a reason we eat it once a year, and it's it's presumably for special occasions. It's a punishment. They should every turkey in the United States could should go to prisons, and it should be fed to prisoners because it sucks and it's a punitive. It's a punitive. It's a punitive meat. It is a punitive meat. Nobody's enjoying it. Nobody. This might be um, one of the all-time meat ranch I've I've ever had on this show. Yeah, it's ass. It's ass. I would rather have I would rather have the the uh, a Outback Steakhouse ribeye than a than a, the best turkey that's ever been cooked wow. by anyone in the world. It's ass. So 
that being said, if I couldn't have turkey, you'd be very happy. Which would be which would be preferable to having turkey. Um, a prime rib, which is another thing I don't eat very often, but I very I very much enjoy. Oh, I love a good um, primer. When do you eat it anymore? Do you do you do you have it regularly? No, it's like a no. special occasion. Right? Um, my birthday's next week, and I know I'll be having it when we go out to dinner. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, probably to, like, one or two out. times a year, max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when you go to a restaurant, they have prime rib. Very often, I'll see it, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, the guy who makes." I, I felt like every restaurant I ever went to fifteen years ago had prime rib on the menu. Yeah, yeah, and it just isn't anywhere. Anymore. So, anyways, I I really enjoy prime rib. I don't have it enough. Um. I would maybe rather have like a, I, a ham. I don't think is that good either, but ham, I probably would prefer to, to Turkey, but prime rib, I think would be my choice. I prefer, I prefer staring at a wall without yeah. food to eat yeah. a Turkey. <laughs> well, well, Garrett, my daughter, who my daughter and her husband, they do Thanksgiving uh, now every year. And if you can get through the TV problems that they have, um, um, the uh, they do beef Wellington. Great, that's a great. So point. you're you you're you you are always welcome. Is what I'll just tell you. Oh, I <laughs> and I'm sure that. she wouldn't would mind it. People yeah. people with taste, people with taste rather than yeah. these masochists. That was my son. Jack's family. That was my son-in-law's influence with the beef Wellington. I got to really give him the, like he screws up the TV every year, like for the football games. We won't get into that. Um, but, 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 but the prime rib was something he introduced, uh, when he married my daughter and, and it, it, it has become a staple. Yeah. Yeah. That's what an, oh, sorry, beef Wellington, not prime rib. I said beef, prime yeah. beef Wellington. Yeah. Yeah. That's an outstanding choice. Outstanding choice. There you go. There you go. So yeah. So don't worry. All right. I got another question for you, Jared. This is our tobacco RSA, the ties that bind question. I don't think you've been through this one. So uh, brought to you by Tobacco RSA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Chapman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco RSA, great things are happening here. So, Jared, in the Ties That Bind segment, it's inspired by the Bruce Springsteen song, The Ties That Bind. Um, and basically what I do is I name three things, and all you got to do is tell me what these three things have in common. Okay. Okay. Um, I had a tough one coming up with one for you, but I, I came up with just a more of a generic one. I think it's either very easy or very hard. So here are your three items. The first one is a hurricane. The second one is a needle, as in a sewing needle. And the third one is a potato. A hurricane, a needle. A sewing needle and a potato. Eyes. Got it. Yeah. I the potato one threw me off when because I had my wife actually help me out with this one bit, and I the potato I don't know if the potato one was I thought that was hard <laughs> that one. Yep, they if all have you eyes. don't know if you if you don't know about potatoes, that yeah. would be impossible. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you're not a that, potato, if you're uh, not a potato not, truther, you I'm wouldn't, not, and I am not. I am yeah. not. I am not. Yeah, I'm uh, up on my. I stay up on modern potatoes. You you are very good with your potato yeah. knowledge. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. That's what they All right. say about me. All right. So we got, like I said, two more segments. Jared, they're shorter. Um, so, But I'm going to do a, a word from uh, the folks we need to pay the bills. We'll pay the bills here. So let me first mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it's a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. 
Of course, it was one of the most challenging ones to cultivate. It fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamstrom Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and Husto have brought their very own brand to market, containing that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Sumatra. And each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retail. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And why mention Corona Cigar Company? At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in the fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padron, Drew Estate, and Aganorsa Leaf. They have the best uh, cigar selection, best customer service, and money-saving discounts at our prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes Magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar is voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at their website or visit one of Corona's five central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And we're going to get into our Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live True. Now, Jared, this is uh, the Live True segments where we kind of take a step back from some of the cigar talk. We already started a little bit of that. Um, sometimes I do a rapid series of questions, and sometimes I do a topic. And this topic we haven't done in a long time on this show, Aaron. So, But I think he's the perfect guy to do it. And, and, and that is airport travel. Because, Jared, you are probably have some of the, the most legendary airport travel stories out there. Oh, my gosh. It's the worst. <laughs> The worst place in the world. So you've come up with you come up with an expression of a, a level of like travel class, right? You you've come up with an, yeah. a very famous expression. It folks yes, who it's worst you. class, worst, worst class, class. worst yeah. class. What Where is... the worst people on the plane are at the front of the plane every time, <laughs> without question. The back is a civilized place where people go and are all kind of in the same zeitgeist living their same life and same experiences. In the front, however, it's acceptable to uh, mistreat the flight attendants, take your clothes off, take your shoes off, uh, do yoga in the aisle. It is just full of the most entitled, awful people in the entire world. Um, It is not more civilized than coach. It is not uh, better uh decorum than coach uh coach is full of good people first class is full of horrible people uh almost to the number okay so i learned something that i didn't realize that that was the case it was you were referring to the the front of the plane seats the business class the first class that i did not know and all you just... of, almost yeah. all of the pictures i've ever taken shaming people which you have... i un, i unapologetically shame shame my fellow passengers um almost almost I, I will stand up if somebody's i've one time again at the front of the plane the some all of a sudden i felt something touch my arm i stand up and it's a woman's bare toe touching the back of my arm which is a situation that like i think if i was in war it wouldn't happen <laughs> to me 
that someone's foot would barefoot would touch my body, but uh, it did here. And um, I stood up and took my phone with my phone and took a picture, which I posted, which is available yes, you have, on my social yes. media yep. to this day. And she said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "What am What am I doing? <laughs> what are What are you doing, ma'am? Your bare foot touched my arm." And she said, "Oh, I'm sorry." And I said, "No, you're not." Because you wouldn't have taken your shoes off if you were if you were sorry. And I'm taking a picture to shame you. And she said, "Well, delete it." And I'm like, "No, I'm not. Why would I do that? <laughs> untouch my foot with your my arm with yeah. your foot. You can't untouch. You can't unpoop your pants, ma'am. There's uh, you already touched me with your gross foot, and I'm gonna now shame you because. And uh, yeah, so it's led to quite a bit of contention with people." Um, on these planes, uh, yoga enjoyers. Yeah, in the, what is this yoga? I got to hear about this one now. Yeah, uh, yeah, just sitting up there, flying on a plane in the air, and uh, somebody just gets up from their tape from their chair and just starts doing yoga in the middle of the aisle. Flight attendant saying, "Excuse me, oh, just one sec. I just got to finish this pose." Like literally <laughs> acting like they were supposed to be doing yoga there. Um, unbelievable. The worst people. The worst people. Really wow. Are. Wow. So yeah. Jerry, every I, time. I, yeah, I do know about the foot pictures. Right. And so I was flying to Mexico last year and I, I made the colossal mistake of getting a new pair of shoes. Right. And it hurt me. And I was about to freaking kick the shoe off. And all I know is I said, I, I thought of you. I said, if I do this, this I'm gonna be shamed by. I should that's be your conscience. I should that's be shamed. Conscience. I thought of you. You should be ashamed of yourself. So I freaking kept that shoe on, like throbbing that whole shoe until I I, I landed and changed into the older shoe. It's but, horrible. Yeah. You don't live there. It's a plane. Yeah. You don't. It's not your house. Right. I don't touch my bare feet. Nobody. I I might. I've been with my wife for eight years. I don't know that she's ever seen my feet. I really don't. <laughs> I, I really don't. I'm always wearing some level of shoe. It's just not, it's not to be seen. It's not, not in public, not, I, I, you know, and maybe I'm, I'm a germ guy. Like I don't, like I'm freaked out. Like even before COVID and all that stuff, I had the single use Purell wipes and would wipe everything down. Like before right. it was cool. I'm like a, a sanitization hipster. And um, I was always like germaphobic. And now it's just worse than ever. I mean, it's just, it's just worse than ever. But the foot thing, the, the feet are the grossest part. The thing. feet, yeah. I, I, I absolutely, like I said, I absolutely could see what you're saying with it. Now, were you, not to get into the whole debate, but were you, like, glad to be able to wear a mask on a plane? Because I actually was. I would, I would have worn a Tyvek suit on a plane if I could, <laughs> if it was socially acceptable. There, having seen, you know, flying a hundred plus times a year for 10 years now, yeah. like that, it takes its toll on you. Like your view of society at large, it really yeah. diminishes um, pretty quickly. And I, 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 I don't wear a mask. Like I don't wear a mask on a plane now. I don't wear masks uh, right. now. Right. But during the whole thing, I mean, yeah, man, I was like, I was fine with it because it's, and I really, you know, I really should just to avoid being talked to. Um, 
<laughs> I used to have an old pair of the iPhone, even though my phone now won't even accommodate headphones. Um, like I used to have a pair of the ones with the cord and I would just leave it in my pocket. Right. I would just put it in my, put it in my ear and leave it in my pocket so people wouldn't six inches from me. I don't want a stranger telling me about their grandchildren. I just don't. Just I uh, I don't know. It just drives me. So crazy. you're not yeah. You, someone just you get that one person. They just got to start talking, right? Yeah. It never it never fails. It never it, it, it never, never yeah and and yeah. Believe me, I get uh, you know yeah. Uh, I got a. I got one where I got on a plane once with um, how can I say it? Dancers coming from clubs. <laughs> Does that make sense? So what yeah, I, and, I well, okay. What what I didn't what I what I learned, what I didn't know about this is these 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 dancers um they they tour these like adult clubs. They don't like work at one. They tour them all over the country. Mm-hmm. And you were following them. No, I got from club so, to club? so when I moved to when I okay when I moved to Charlotte, I was flying down here every week till our house was ready, and I would get this like five thirty flight Monday morning at out of out of New York, and like I got stuck next to one of them once. She starts telling me our whole life story, like how like married to like living with a loser boyfriend and everything. It just it was like believe me, it wasn't like. They weren't in their dance clothes, is what I'm just gonna say. Shattering stereotypes. But 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 here's what happened. It happened three more times because they were on every week. They were on the same flight with different different dancers, telling me the exact. It was like a carbon copy. Every one of these stories. Yeah, that's not ideal. So I, 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 I be happy with that. yeah, it wasn't. It was just like yeah, believe me, it wasn't like any fun sitting next. Is what I'm just saying. So I I and at five thirty in the morning is the last thing I I just don't even feel like having a conversation with anybody. Yeah, that's crazy. That yeah. for an early flight to try to carry on a conversation. That's, yeah, yeah. That's that's even crazy. Yeah, and how, so how I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why people want to talk. Want to talk to me. Right. I don't have like this abundantly like warm, friendly demeanor. <laughs> I know that about myself. So like, right. I don't really know why right. why people try to do it. But I right. just uh, I do wholesale ignore them at this point. I uh, <laughs> with my headphones in, I pretend like I don't hear anything. So, <laughs> do you, you know, so you're, you know, I'll ask you a couple of the obligatory questions here. Um, best airport and worst airport in the country? Um, I think my favorite airports are the small ones, um, like TF Green in Providence is a really right. good airport. Um, Santa Rosa in California, um, instead of flying to San Francisco, is a really good airport. Um, stuff that I like quick. Like just right, get right. through quick. I'm not like an amenities guy. Uh, I try to get in and out and as quick as possible. Um, worst airports. I mean, there's just a lot. Like LaGuardia is bad. Um, um, Denver is among my least favorite airports in the country. It is disorganized and difficult to navigate and difficult it's, to even get to. It's and far. It, it's far. Yeah. It's it's that's a shit airport. Um, yeah, I would say LaGuardia is really bad. Denver's really bad. Um, even the new LaGuardia, even the new LaGuardia. Yeah, even new LaGuardia. Okay, good. My 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 kids recently flew uh flew into New LaGuardia. They were raving about it. So, but it might look nicer, but it's still LaGuardia. It's <laughs> like the trap, the the delays, the everything goes wrong constantly. The 
I'm not, it's just, it's not, not a good look. And then like, it might be an unpopular opinion in this business, but Miami is not a particularly fun airport. It feels like there's a gate, 18 restaurants, then the next gate. And you're just walking for miles and miles to move 10, 15 gates. It's just a, I don't particularly enjoy that airport either. They um, do have the smoking lounge, but there's that, is, that does save. Yeah. But I was just talking to someone, it may have been Hector from Espinosa, and he was saying that the sky trains are out now at, at Miami mm-hmm. Airport, which are the which are the people movers between uh, through those terminals. Yeah, yeah. So they were, a- I was just in the Dominican Republic two weeks ago, and when I flew through Miami, the sky trains were out. So yeah, mm-hmm. so basically you're doing a lot of walking. A lot, lot of walking. And I fly out of DFW all year. Um, and it's a huge airport. It's it's definitely, if you if you don't fly out of there a lot, it's definitely, um, you know, can be a pain. But um, it's it's for a big airport, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's just at night, sometimes they shut down the train going one way. So if if I if I parked at a thirty, and I and you can't walk between the terminals. No. So you have to take the train. So if I parked at a thirty and left my truck there, and I land at B one to go one gate backwards, I have to take the train from B C D E F, oh, wow. all the way back to a. Uh, you you have to ride the train the whole time. So oh, wow. um, that can kind of suck, especially when you land late. And you're like, the last thing you want to do is be on a fucking train for 40 minutes. But yeah, that's another massive airport. And that's another big airport. I just remember going to get the rental car and stuff was it was a little bit of an adventure. there. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah that's that's a uh, that's a big one as well. Uh, you know, when um, my I actually you mentioned Green Airport. That's in Providence. Uh, that is like we had a company meeting up in. um the Boston area last about a year ago. And I knew from, you know, all my connect friends in Rhode Island to fly into like green airport, uh, in Providence. Um, it actually has started a, like people in my company now do who go into Boston, like after that meeting and they, they, they've now all copied me and they all fly into green airport. And yeah, avoid it's Logan. so easy. And it's One about, term. And, yeah. And it's about the same distance to get to our office. Yep. yep, one terminal. It's, it's uh, one term. I I had a problem getting home last year, but it wasn't because of Green Airport. It was because I had I did have to take a connection coming home, and it was in DC, and that's where I had the problem. But it wasn't Green Airport that was a problem. It's literally yeah, it's literally like I said, really easy. You just drive into like this. It's not really a neighborhood, but it's kind of like this little. It kind of is a neighborhood. It yeah. kind of isn't. I guess it is for yeah, and uh, yeah, it's actually in Warwick. It's not even in Providence. So yeah, yeah, it's a great great airport. Yep, yep. But you get up to New England a lot still? Not not as much as I would like. Right. Um not as much as I would like, but uh but I do. Right. Um uh I was just up there for stuff. I'm gonna be back up in a couple of weeks um for uh two guys stuff and uh yeah, so I'll I'll I uh I get back when when I need to be back there. Yeah. Um I, I wish I thought, you know, originally I'd be able to get back during the summer and and spend some time with family and friends and stuff like that up there while the weather was nice. But it just never works that way. The summer is so brutal yeah. in this business. I I mean, I was gone probably 60 out of 90 days in third quarter. Um, 
it, it was just it was just a really brutal uh, kind of run there. So I didn't get to go back home for anything fun, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But- I'm overdue to see Stogie Santa. Um, when I was there last year, he got COVID. Him and his wife got COVID. Um, but I was able to finally see him the last, the final day before I was leaving when, when he was like basically cleared, but yeah, they had COVID. So I didn't get, so I, and I didn't get up there this year. So I'm, and now he's got the granddaughter. So it will probably be next year before I get up there at this point. So yeah, the store, the new store is beautiful. The new store, I tell you that new store is, is really, really uh, nice. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. yeah I, I actually think they didn't make the humidor big enough. Not for, not, not, for for not for them. Not for them. Not for them. Not for them. But they, yeah. but I like how they laid it out and everything in there. It was real. Yeah. Oh, it's really pretty. They did such a good job at that store. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, they still have their little archives, like in the catacombs. They have stuff stored mm-hmm. though. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they took me down there. Yeah. Yeah, but but Mark's retired now. He's not working there. He has retired. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. He's the best. He's the best. I know. He's he's a car- he's a car- we still talk every week though. Um. So we at least talk once a week. So uh, those were the, the good old days. Stogie Santa. That was back when that was the Stogie Geeks days. The Stogie Geeks. Yeah. 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 We we've constantly uh, we have we have remained in touch uh, like judiciously. So uh, I do speak to him sometimes more than once a week. Um, and if I don't if, if he doesn't hear from me, he gets worried. And if I don't hear from him, he, he gets worried. So. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that goes like that's over, and that was actually why 2013 was on my mind with um when we were talking about the woodlawn because that's when I joined Stogie Geeks, and that's how I remembered. Uh, and that's that. when I started. That's when I around when I started with Kristoff. Yeah, was around 2013. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and a little little known fact is I think we've said it on the show. Uh, you were like being pegged to be a Stogie Geek, so. We, uh, yeah, it was yeah. like an un, I was on every I was on every week. Yeah, pretty and much just, until yeah. I started the rep job, and then I right. the schedule got messed up. And then we were like, "Well, let's we're gonna let's bring him in." And then he, yeah, he started the rep job, and that was totally understandable. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, before we get to our last segment, I got one more thing we want to do in this. This is our Espinoza this day in sports history question. Um, it is sponsored by Espinoza Cigars. They are the makers of the Espinoza, the Knuckle Sandwich, and the 601, all award-winning lines. Smoke Espinoza and smoke Espinoza every day. I usually test Jared um, Aaron with these questions uh, just to kind of – so these may be a little hard for you, but you can feel free to answer these. Uh, I'm not going to drag them out here. Aaron, I got two questions for you. One is baseball-related, and then I just thought I'd challenge you with a non-baseball one. Okay. All right. So – in 1981, this New York Yankee pitcher, sorry, Jared, won Rookie of the Year. Hmm. Who was that pitcher mm. on this day, November 30th? I'm going to take a guess. It's probably wrong. I'm probably off by like a few years, but was it Rigetti? It was Dave Rigetti. Oh, nice. Dave Rigetti. Yep. Rigetti Spaghetti. Yep. All right. Yeah. I couldn't, because all the time when I think back, I think back on the baseball card. And I think about the border of the card to know where the, what year I'm in, kind of a yeah. thing. And I couldn't yeah. remember if it was '81 or if it was more like a '85, '86 card. So no, yeah. good. he '85, uh, '86 is when he switched to the bullpen. 
Got it. Okay. That's when he made the move to the bullpen, but he was a starter uh, in New York. And I believe all the awards came out late that year because that was the strike year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but everything got delayed. So November 30th, they were they were doing Rookie of the Year, which, you know, they've already done it a few weeks ago um, for whatever reason. But, yeah, they, they did that uh, on this day in 1981. Right. And then on this day, November 30th in 2015, this NBA Hall of Famer and former MVP, MVP would announce he would retire at the end of the year. I I really don't have much of a basis for NBA stuff, yeah. um, but I'll take a guess. Yeah. Um, and I I think like, how it. how the years shake out, it's weird. I'll say Shaquille O'Neal, but you are very close. You are very was close. It Kobe. It was Kobe. I, I fuck. I was gonna say Kobe first, and I thought, I yeah, think, I think Kobe played longer than that. Kobe uh, Shaquille retired, I think, in two thousand eleven. Oh, that was way further then. Yeah, okay. he retired. He started ninety two and retired in eleven. Yeah, because I was thinking like, yeah, because I'm sure he's been on TNT for, you know, really quickly since he retired, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, it was Kobe. That's who I thought first, and I yeah. talked myself out of it. Yeah. All right. All right, no, good job. Hey, Jared, you're you're a Patriots fan, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'll ask two questions here to you. Actually, uh, actually, one question: What do you do with Belichick? Is is your question? Is the question for you? I don't. I I don't know, man. I mean, the bet was, I think, when Brady moved on, that Belichick was the franchise and Brady wasn't. Right. Um, and that has been proven. That has been proven pretty patently false. Um, so I still think Belichick will go down as he is one of the greatest coaches of all time, yeah. without question. Um, but, um, I don't know if he is so rigidly committed to whatever they're doing, the system, or I don't know if it's a talent thing. Like the, the fear that I have is another, is, is Mac moving on, you know, cause everything's going to get hung on Mac, yeah. Mac moving on and then Mac beating us in the AFC where, or wherever he ends up, you know, and going on to be a stud for the rest of his career because he can't come up in this system. I, I don't know what, I don't know what they do with Belichick. I really don't. If you, because he in, won't go gracefully. No. If you yeah. lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, I'm telling you, like everyone believes the owner wants to go at, fire the coach so they can go after Belichick. And I can't see Belichick going to work for our crazy owner down here. He would go, he would work for your team. He said it before. What? He would work he would work for the Giants. The Giants he's, a different story. He has yeah. he said in, in, in the past the the I think in that Nick Saban documentary that he yeah. did, yeah, I think he said he would love to go back and, and coach for the Giants. Um he because because he had fond memories there and whatever, whatever. Yeah, it's a different the circumstances he left were kind of weird, um, because like he was supposed to succeed Parcells and then Parcells Decided he was going to retire three months after the season was over, and Belichick took the job in Cleveland. Is what happened. Um, but I, I, the Giants are such a mess right now. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't watched them all year. I got to be honest. It's just they've been unwatchable. <laughs> I watched the first game, and that was it. And I said, I'm not buying the. 
because the only way I could watch the Giants on a regular basis is to buy the uh, the Sunday ticket. And I said, I'm not buying the Sunday ticket to watch that. Like Aaron, Aaron's watch quality of football has been terrible this year. So <laughs> yeah. it's like oh, it has, wrong. Yeah. It. It's not wrong. So uh, uh, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying watching football because I'm not living and dying on every game like I have been for the last 10 years. Like, you know, I'm enjoying like if we lose, I'm like, ah, fuck it. We suck. Like, you know, like it's just kind of whatever. Like, whereas before, you know, you lose a regular season game and it's like, God, oh, there goes yeah. the neighborhood. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. like it's all over. And I- I'm enjoying the game. I just, uh, I feel bad for, I feel really, I feel bad for Mac Jones. I, I really- uh, everyone, it's not, look, everyone thought he was can't miss. So you can't blame Belichick on this one entirely. Uh, and it was no. also, he's also gone through multiple offensive coordinators, which is never good for a young quarterback. And if you look historically at the history of football, quarterback young quarterbacks who've had different offensive coordinators every year, it's been a disaster for them. And it's yeah. uh, I can I can go down. Alex Smith was a good example of that. So it's like, and then once he got stability, these guys and then they start to do so. You know, I'm not ready to. I I also think that Belichick is entitled to one more year. That's just me. For sure. I, I do. I think, yeah. uh, would I love to him to come to the Giants? Yeah, but I also think he deserves to go out, get one more shot to fix it, and if he doesn't, uh, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think that everyone has him gone already, which is kind of, like, amazing. No, yeah, I think you can't yeah. discount the fact. I just think, you know, sometimes you're the fly, sometimes you're the windshield, yeah. right? And, yeah. and I think he's just – He's just run up against a right. tough rebuilding period that he can't really manage his way out of, and um, you got to give him something. He's got to have something to do. So. Yeah, um, I think he'd make a hell of a defensive coordinator somewhere. In oh, his, yeah. probably still, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're living in Dallas right now, so you you know Texas Rangers are world champions. Are you were you into it at all at all? I don't know if you're into baseball. We you couldn't into care less. You couldn't care, couldn't less. care less. That seems like a lot of any... that. Yeah, but that seems like a lot of people down there. It's the same way. Yeah, I couldn't care less. I mean, there's a lot of Dallas people, I'm sure, or Texas people that are, are really excited about it. Um, but I really, I'm a pure homer. I always have been. I, I have not changed my allegiance at all. The first year we moved to Dallas, I got season tickets for the uh, at the American Airlines Center. Um, and got to watch a lot of uh, – we had, like, donated to some charity, and they gave right. us season tickets for uh, for doing it. And um, there was – we went got, – I got to see the Bruins play the Stars. I got to see, like, every everything. Yeah. Um, the Celtics, when they came to town, it was great. Um, but I have no allegiance to a Texas team at all. I, I couldn't care less. Wow. Uh, no, but good, well, good for you at least. Uh yeah, I I never adopted the Charlotte teams when I moved out of the Northeast either. So, yeah, well, that's good because they yeah. are good. <laughs> uh they're, they're they're terrible. They're terrible. I they're terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was that was probably a pretty easy decision. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but now the Giants are worse. So or are as bad. Yeah, so. true. The Patriots are. You terrible. know, I I I I everyone kids me. I said when Coughlin was forced out, I said we're. I said here were my words, Jared. There's gonna be a curse. And we're gonna be Cleveland Browns bad for a decade. And with the exceptional last year, I haven't been wrong. So, yeah, yeah. I said Cleveland it's, Browns bad for a decade. I said at I least said, I've got something. I've yeah. got you know the Bruins are very good. The 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 Red Sox kind of stink, but the Bruins are good, so I'm happy so, with that. 
Yeah, Celtics are, Celtics are content. Celtics pretty good. pretty good. Yeah. 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 Uh, Red Sox will get better. So, yeah. No. And look, you had a great, like, six Super Bowls. No one's going to. Oh, yeah. I mean, I drank everybody I know's tears. For yeah. yeah. Years, you, were, you... you know, I, I. And we were, none of us were gracious. You talk to any of us, me, <laughs> Terrence, Carney, any of us from up there yeah. that are in this business, we were not gracious. <laughs> we were not, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, we were not. We, we drank your tears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh all right so we got one more segment here but uh let me just do a couple more uh from our sponsors here let's first go to jc newman cigar company founded in 1895 by julius Caesar newman jc newman cigar company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in america for four generations and 127 years jc newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars jc newman is headquartered in an iconic 113 year old cigar factory in the ebor city national historic landmark district of tampa florida at the factory known as elder hole jc newman has premium cigars by hand and hand operated antique cigar machines including the all-american cigar the american and the angel cuesta jc newman's pensive factory is the second largest in nicaragua it's with brick cows pearl de mar el batam corm and yago cigars are hand rolled jc newman's diamond crown maximus julius caesar and black diamond cigars are handmade by tobacco a fuente in the dominican republic with longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Scar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they've manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Lots Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. Try the Casa Cuevas line, the Cuevas Reserve line, and the latest release, Sangre Nueva. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retail for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars from our Casa de Yours. So we're going to get into our Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Industry Talk Deliberation segment, sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dunbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the Half-Low Consensus, including number one cigar year in 2020 with Mi Querida Tricky Traca and... 2022 with the Mi Carita Black. Visit DTT Scars Find a Purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. So, Jerry, this last segment, I'm going to just kind of hit a few industry uh, topics with you. Um, and I think the big uh, f- folks are probably aware you uh, are now a member of the PCA board. I believe you're going into your second year. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. What What made you want to do this? <laughs> why Why join the PCA board? I have asked myself. Uh, that very same question. <laughs> um, no, I I want to do it because I've got you know that the industry's done a lot for uh, for me yeah. and for my family, and I want to try to give back in whatever way I can. And this is probably one of the only ways to really give give back in a meaningful way to the industry as a whole. Um, and uh, I I I was uh, approached about about doing it and. I agreed, and and then uh, you know they do the vote thing and everything, and I got voted in, and so yeah, now it's my uh, my second year. I want to say Aaron Loomis did predict you were going to win that election. By the way, oh, did, did you? Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. Thank you for your vote. I, I don't think I disagreed with it either. I, I think I disagreed with you either. But uh, yep, so you you well, got I it. fucking hope not, Will. I'm sitting here <laughs> on your show. I don't control the votes here. I'm just saying. I'm what do you mean? I don't. I don't have a vote. <laughs> so I, what do you I mean? You don't think they made a mistake? What are you talking about? No, I'm just saying. In turn- <laughs> <laughs> oh, got me there. No, no. Um. <laughs> so, Jared, I, you're probably the most 
unique board member though, because you are pro- you are the one board member who is not of the manufacturer. You you're not uh you're not a full owner of the company, right? So you're not the, the primary no. owner. Is what I'm saying. No, no, I'm not. Um, but so how I, does that work? Is that Christoph's seat or is that your seat? That would be my no, question. No, it's 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 my seat. Okay. Um, it's but it's it's, it's uh. You know, it's kind of like the the person, not necessarily the company. It's just, you know, they they put an associate board member up there with with the idea that yeah. they will provide a manufacturer's perspective on, uh, you know, retailer retailer issues. Being that we are a, a fairly large stakeholder in PCA, right? So I think really it's the it's the person, not the right, not the the company. Yeah, yeah. I I asked that because I know when Alan Rubin. Uh, who was on the board when when he sold? Uh, he gave up his seat. So I was, just, right. I didn't, yeah. So I didn't know if that was how it, you know how it worked. That's why I was asking that question. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, that situation was probably different. Um, but it, yeah, the, yeah, it's it's no, it's the it's the the person. It's not right, right. And, and it's a big board now. Like, so they expanded the board, right? How how is that with a bigger board? Is, do you think that's been a good thing, a bad thing? How do you think that's worked out so far? Well, there's a lot of really. There's a, the good thing is there's a lot of really. Uh, whether whether you'd agree or not, there's a lot of really smart people on there doing, and there's a lot of good perspectives, um, right? That are coming through, and the more the more voices, the more different opinions that you hear the less opportunity there is for groupthink and um kind of uh confirmation bias and a lot of uh plagues that befall a lot of organizations um and so we've seen a, a diversity of opinions we've seen um a lot of uh, and i'm not sure if you're aware of this or not but in the previous nomination series um Many of the members who submitted their names to be nominated to the board, um, the PCA reached out to and invited them to join committees. Right. Um, so we have non-board member retailers that are participating in committees um, and offering their advice and and kind of, you know, getting a, a first glance at what being on the board might be like and kind of cultivating the next generation. So with the idea being that when we have future board members, it won't take them a year to get up to speed on what's the issues that are germane to the running of the organization, uh, which very often is the case now. Right. You don't feel uh, inclined to participate or, or really contribute until you feel up to speed on the issues. And there's such a breadth of issues going on um, to to be into. So uh, having non non board members on the committees has been really good and yeah. has provided a lot of useful feedback. Um, and we just have a really solid group of, uh, of board members that have yeah. uh, really good ideas. So yeah. I don't, one, I don't mind the board being bigger and more representative. No, by the way, one board member disclosed he did vote for you and that was Jay Davis. So yeah, you got his. Oh, vote. well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I like Jay a lot. Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. The, uh, on that, um, you, you, you you know you kind of came in um and there were some big decisions that have been made so i got to ask the obligatory there were two i think big decisions um first was the move to the spring so i'll ask you first uh was this something you were in favor of or not in favor of 
Um, you can decline to answer if you want to, by the way. I, I, I will. I'll say I was in favor of it because we didn't really have a choice. <laughs> um, that's what I think many, many people don't understand that the, the Las Vegas Convention Center's renovations were, were making it so that we were unable to hold the trade show um, at the time period we want. Right. The other factor to consider is that the Venetian, by and large, doesn't really was not easy to work with. They weren't right. friendly. Um, they didn't give us a particularly good deal. And um, they would say, you can have this week, 4th of July, enjoy. You want to do it? <laughs> you know what? I, and right. that's not how you're supposed to make decisions um, in the best interest of your organization. Um, so if we wanted to do a trade show, the timeline made it so that we had to look for other options and the other options made it so that that was what our timeline was. So if the decision was, do we have a trade show or not really have a trade show? Um, and I voted for the, having a, tra a trade right, show. You right, know? right. So right. that was really what the decision felt like more so than anything else. Same with the New Orleans stuff. So right. um, we're, and every single, you know, you talk to, you talk to a lot of people outside of the, um, the board or outside of the organization and they're like oh we'll just do it here just do it there just do it there and it's like we have to book thousands and thousands of rooms we have to have venues available that'll allow us to accommodate large groups of people that'll allow us to smoke there's a lot of considerations that people don't really weigh when they just say oh just do it here i'm sure they'd love to have you well do they is there is their hall big enough do they have uh is the contract good there's a lot of things people don't consider like, Oh, this is a big building and they're in favor of smoking. And my cousin works there and says, they'd love to have a cigar, show, a cigar trade show there. It's like, yeah, but we would have to have three convention halls, one of which is booked, which would make us have to go to a different floor for another thing. And then everything falls apart. We need a Goldilocks scenario, which doesn't exist out there in the wild, which is what a lot of people outside of the uh, contract negotiations don't seem to understand. Sure, sure. So um, the, if anything, being on the board has uh, kind of shown me because I was probably one of those guys, you know, who was like, why the fuck do we do it in the middle of July? Like doing it this. Why don't we do it a little bit earlier? Like I was probably one of those guys. And now right. that I'm on the inside, I'm like, I totally get it. Right. Like, we, we totally don't have the options that people think that we do on the outside. So um, it's uh, it's been interesting. So, yeah, I was I was in favor of doing it. And imagine the same thing, like you said, New Orleans kind of fell into that as well, um, where because there wasn't, from what I understand, there wasn't right. a Vegas option. No, no, there wasn't. So, right. yeah, so it was either go back and, and have a bad deal with with, with the Sands, Venetian Expo Center uh, now, or or not have a show. So you yeah, and, and, and And also, like, it feels good, you know, not being able to do it in Vegas is one thing, but that as we're out there looking for where else to do it, you see, you know, New Orleans making legal accommodations for us, passing laws right. to allow us to accommodate us. They really want us there. And it's a great, and it's a fabulous time of year. I mean, I remember the July trade show in New Orleans <laughs> I, and I, hope, I and, and being in the courtyard Marriott or whatever and steam coming out steam, of my I was at that hotel same hotel, room. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I and, and so doing it in April, plus 
everybody knows nothing ships directly at the trade show or, or everything doesn't ship directly at the trade show right. for it to arrive for the orders to be placed in April, for it to arrive in May or June, and then ha- you have it during the busy season. And that's also not factoring the idea that for the first time in 20 years, I will be able to have my sales reps on the road when their customers are selling cigars. How powerful is that for a, for a, for a business? You know right. what I mean? Right. To be Good able point. to support, to, to be able to, for, to have my sales team in place to support the doing of business while business is being done. Um, and for them to not have two months where customers are telling them that, oh, I'm going to wait for the trade show. Well, you know what? January, February are a lot, <laughs> are a lot like that anyways. You know, uh, we just got through the holiday. Things are slow, blah, blah, blah. So I think we gain a lot more than we lose doing it uh, earlier in the year. And it's certainly going to be an adjustment. Um, it's certainly going to rely heavily on the retailers being prepared, budget wise to spend and get what they want out of the trade show but i think i don't think it's like a compromise i don't think we were making chicken salad out of chicken shit Mm -hmm. i think we were making a good a good decision like i think i think the people will find that it ends up being successful and the manufacturers that find themselves really unprepared for this have known about it the exact same amount of time as they know it's just the different it's just shorter between the two trade shows right. to get prepared for new product and stuff like that. That doesn't change, but we've known that this is coming. Right. So um, I, I think first of all, it has to, it has to work because we, you know, lack options. And second of all, I think if you look at it in the broader scheme, it's better, it's better to have this now um, and earlier in the year. And I oh, and I don't want to be in Vegas. I just you know, it's. Uh, are are, are really you con- are you concerned? Maybe people may be turned off going back to New Orleans though, because there are a lot of people who remember 2015, and it wasn't a great experience. Weather aside, I heard a lot of. Are you, are you guys? Is that something the board and you guys are cognizant of? How are you guys gonna maybe? Because that may be a little bit of a challenge getting people to go to New Orleans. Well, Yep. So uh, we're we're coming. We're doing a lot of stuff. Uh, again, really smart people. We're doing a lot of really smart stuff around the New Orleans trade show. Um, that is going to allow people to have a place to be. I think one of the bigger problems with New Orleans was we all finished the trade show. We were all at different hotels, and none of us had a place to really be. Right. Um, so we were scattered with the great unwashed on Bourbon Street. Um, and it was like, I'm not like what we were just talking about with the feet and shit. I mean, if I can't stand seeing somebody with their socks on a plane, how am I going to deal with, <laughs> with Bourbon Street, New Orleans, arguably yeah, one of yeah. the grossest places in the world? Yeah. So it's so um, w- the board has taken all that feedback and is making really, really cool yeah. accommodations that I think people are going to be really excited about having a place to go where we can all be together, where we can be safe, where everything can be kind of, uh, where we can have that same camaraderie that everybody loves about the Vegas trade show at the Sands. Um, we, we can still have that in New Orleans, um, right. which I think is going to be really cool. Right. Were you one of these guys at, like, our team's gotten away from going there, like, 
were you guys uh like a bar Luke or circle bar? Were you someone who like went there? You personally? No. No, no, I've I've done I've done it, obviously. Like I've I've done it. I was gonna say because uh, it is it's horrible. Yes. It's, it's fighting for you can never sit, it's fighting, you can't get a drink. Right. It's not designed again, it's not designed to accommodate that amount of people right. doing all the stuff that we're doing and where the industry drinks like monsters. I right. mean, it's it's crazy <laughs> right. and right. requires constant uh service. So uh, that's what's again, without giving away very much. That's what's exciting about New Orleans is I don't think we're going to have that same fighting for your life kind of vibe as you do in Vegas. I'm a personally, I'm a go to dinner with a customer if that's what I'm doing. Go back to the hotel room, sneak past the common area right. where everybody is, so that nobody acknowledges me, and then watch the office in my bed at nine thirty, um, and wake up to go to work the next morning, like. That's kind of where I'm at. I used to be the Bar Luca. Now, what are we doing? I a, yeah, yeah. I was. Too, yeah, I mean, I was years ago doing that too, and I and I I stopped as that got more crowded. Um, it is. It is. It is gone for me. The desire to to be out there in in them streets. The the year the COVID outbreak happened, like after the trade show. Um, I was actually at Bar Luca the night before Aaron and everyone got in. I stopped there. Like a big mistake, right? And I won't say who did this, right? But so, a nice guy, he's a guy in the industry. He comes up to me, and it's crowded. And not only is this guy, like, on my space, but he talks and the spit comes right out. Well, lands right on me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, and, I, I, and I just, at that point, I just, I left, right? And it, this guy actually was one of the guys who got COVID. I don't know how I didn't get COVID. So, and we, we had people at the media house. Who got it? I don't know how. Like I didn't get it, but I didn't. I'm yeah, still kind of they can't figure it out. Yeah, because this guy got yeah. COVID. Who who was the one of the guys like put the spit? You know. Yeah, I got it. I got it too. Um, but I'm I'm sure that I know when it happened. I was on the plane next to somebody who was right coughing right. the entire time, and there was nothing I could do about it. Just oh, um, I remember. I remember because so, you were supposed to do Aaron's show, and you couldn't because you got it. You bet. You got yeah, pretty. Yeah. 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 But I mean, that is perhaps among the least surprising things right. from having a trade right. show. Right? Uh, is that that happened? So I, I yeah. couldn't be less surprised. So, so the trade show is moving out of the Venetian next year. Is there any kind of similar things that the PCA is looking at to have like a central hub, like like what you're talking about in New Orleans, maybe where people could be able to smoke? Is that something that's conducive or no? Uh, based on what's happening. I think it's definitely a consideration for for the organization. I think I think you know we the feedback that that we we got from um, the retail mem- the retail members was that what they like the most about the trade show is the camaraderie, the being together, right, right. the networking, all of those things. Right. And um, you know, I think it's the 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 organization's job to listen to that, and I think um, all of that. All of that retailer feedback is first and foremost when we're making consider when we're making determinations around right. planning the show. So for sure, um, there's in the works stuff uh, towards the end of making sure everybody has a, a cool not not sitting on folding chairs in the on the trade show floor, uh, something uh, a venue or somewhere to be um, that that's willing to accommodate us. Yes. 
Yeah, I uh, I I agree with that. I mean, I know that was a, something that was done a couple years ago, and I think people still want that Las Vegas vibe, and that just didn't provide it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I I agree on that. Tracho side, what and a board? What are some challenges you guys are now tackling as a board for other things that the organization is trying to do? Um, besides, you know, Tracho side, because there's a lot of other parts you guys have as well. Well, let, uh, obviously, the legislative stuff is really important. We just right. uh, rolled out a new state advocacy model to I try saw to that. encourage I, retail I, members. I, yep, try to encourage retail members to participate in their state associations and um, continue to build that kind of uh, advocacy uh, apparatus um, at the state level and at the federal level. Um, so there's obviously always advocacy and legislative stuff that we're working on. Um, Aside from that, um, just really trying to add value for the members by um, considering uh, what they might what they might need, what might need what we might need going forward. Um, continuing to pay attention to our ability to self regulate and come up with standards that are uh, for for product and things like that that will help us with future regulation, um, as well as uh, learning and educational resources for. Um, new retail members and existing retail members that'll allow them to operate more successfully and make more money. You're muted, Will. I, I do it every show, Jared. I know. I, I opened this. Yeah, so I, I, I just, it, it only took me an hour and 55 minutes to do it to you tonight. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was one, you know, there was one thing that kind of hit a little home for us. Uh, it got a, it got a lot more interest than I thought it would get. Um, the decision to kind of change the whole media program this year, uh, where m the media dues were were removed this year. So, what are your thoughts on that? Is that a good thing you think or a bad thing? Um, some people have mixed feelings on this one. I am relatively. I'll tell you, this is me, not for Jared, right. but like, right. um, I, I think that the the media is an important way to, for us to promote uh -huh. the product. And, and um, I think what we need is a, a better, a better vetting process for the media that is there um, to ensure that there isn't time wasters. There aren't people moonlighting because as important as it is, people think that the regulatory agencies don't pay attention to the inside baseball, but they do. You yeah, know, they do. They, they on their PowerPoint slides, they have Instagram posts and things like that from whether it be influencers or manufacturers that they use in court to uh, kind of subvert our arguments. So uh, the media being the, you know, among the loudest ways that our messages get, get communicated out there what the last thing we want is irresponsible media coverage that portrays us in such a way that makes it difficult for us to continue to sell the product that we want to sell. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it's a quality over quantity thing that I think is going to be important to us going forward. I think, I, and I don't know this, you know, like I'm just talking from my right. perspective, what I think is important. Um, I think it's quality over quantity. I think as a manufacturer, I am sick of people coming into the booth 
that I have never heard of, you know, uh, Porky Three Toes and the <laughs> and the Scallywag Gang do a podcast and they and they want to come in there and manipulate Glenn and my time for uh, you know forty five minutes while I, my booth there's no place for customers to sit. Right. Um, not to mention these dipshits. So I I don't want uh, and again I don't have the warmest d- disposition um, to be fair. So I'm sure Glenn who <laughs> is much more accommodating of these things. I'm sure he, he would probably have a different opinion, but I, I, when I'm in, I mean, there, there were multiple times during the trade show where I walked up to a table with, whether it was Glenn sitting there or somebody with putting a microphone in a customer space or something. And I said, who are you? And they said, Oh, I'm, you know, you know, toes McGee. And I'm like, Hey, why don't you fuck off toes McGee? Get out of here. We're, we're doing work. All right. And, oh, sorry, I was just trying to get a quick, yeah, come back when there's no booth. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it just, it's kind of productive. So I, w- I would very much like to see the uh, a vetted, whitelisted group of media that we know that we want to, you know, or is growing or is doing something cool, or at least, at the very least, is doing it the right way. Um, and it's home cooking. We, we don't have to, you know, in, 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 it's my opinion that I don't, it doesn't have to be fair at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it's just, if I, if I look at your posts, I'm like, ah, oh, this guy's stupid or, or not, you know, or this guy is not going to represent the industry in the right way, or this isn't growth oriented. I think the organization should be able to say he's not coming. <laughs> You know, we issue the badges. It's our trade show. It's not, you know, we don't have any responsibility to these actors. Like, so I think it's important that the people who are stewarding the industry in the right direction, you guys and a lot of other media outlets, I think it's important that you have an opportunity to do what you do because we want to see. But I think I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to have a code word with my office manager for when some influencer comes in and is hitting on her that she says that I have to come over and say, Hey, can I borrow you for a minute? I shouldn't have to do that at my own trade trip. Wow. And, wow. and I do. Wow. So it's, it's get the, get, I, I, and I, out of that side, out of one side of my mouth, I say that out of the other side of my mouth, far be it from me to judge somebody that's up and coming, trying to, trying to make a name for themselves in the industry. And if you're doing everything right and you're well, and you're well thought of, and your content is good and educational and it moves the industry forward, God bless you. You're going to be professional. God bless you. But if you're not a steward of the industry the way that we think it should, it should be pure home cooking. It should be, this guy's a dipshit. This guy isn't. Let these people in. That's what I think. Now, on the board, I would probably have a more diplomatic stamp, uh, point of view. <laughs> uh, but right. I, right. me, I think I don't, I, I don't want to have to I don't want to have to tell somebody to get out of my booth at my trade show. I want to be able to so, so try Sarah, to get was, more people into my booth. This was a problem. This this was an absolute problem. You guys were saying I have because I've heard mixed things that you you really had this problem then. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Wow, I mean, and I know you guys were very. Like I said, we were there. You guys were really busy, uh, especially this last year for sure. We we will have Jared. So I'll just you know we've said this on the show, so it's not really a, a secret, but. We were having problems in that there were people getting in with badges 
who were not media badges, right? And here's what was happening, Jared. Not only were they, were they getting in at no cost, right? But they were getting onto the trade show floor a day early because they had manufacturer badges. So the manufacturer badges allowed them to just kind of start doing content um, like a day early. And we, we as media, we can't get on the trade show floor early, uh, that, that setup day, right? So I was pay- I, I kind of said this with a few people offline on the board and various. I said, well, why am I paying for a badge here when someone's getting a badge for free from a manufacturer and they're getting more time on the trade show floor to me? There was something absolutely broken with the way the system was right now. Yeah, um, and that has been that has been discussed. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, I said it's I, I actually made the comment. I said, well, maybe I should go to company XYZ and get four badges for my team next year, because that that's how I almost felt. Oh, I'll still give you a donation if you want, but I'm just saying I could get that extra time. So I think a lot of people did realize there was a there was something broken with this. So I applaud them. I think you guys have some work to do as far as the vetting process. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie for you. I think that's gonna be some work though. Yeah, uh, I think there's gonna be a lot of feedback about it. Yeah, if you don't, if somebody doesn't get in or yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of ways to do it. I think there could be a lottery thing, you know, where there's a core group that get in every year and the new people get a try through some sort of lottery or something. Right. Like that. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. It's not like, uh, it's not my, that's above my pay grade. Right. But um, I, I, there's a way to do, it, you know, where everybody feels like they have a shot at getting in and we don't have to wade through the, the idiocy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So but now that I know it's been talked about, Will. Yeah, like, no uh, it, yeah. manufacture badges, and if we do this vetting process, how can we be sure that it's not being circumvented by, um, by uh, manufacturers or retailers issuing badges? So that yeah. has been discussed. Yeah, no, it, it, like I said, it absolutely has been a problem. Um, I mean, like I said, I I applaud PCA and the board for tackling the problem. I, like I said, I don't think it's going to be fixed in one year. Don't get me wrong, but the fact that the problem was acknowledged, which Frankly, Jared, going back to previous boards and previous leaderships, it was an it was ignored. So I, I think this is this is a was a very good step, uh, and I applaud you guys for doing that. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's the board is good. It we yeah. have a, we have a really good board. Yeah, and I'll, I'll know now that if someone comes up to me in the middle of the booth uh, saying I need them for a minute <laughs> to get out of your booth. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out of there. I'm, try- <laughs> I'm trying. To- I'm trying to work. Trying to work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, you guys have always been great with with the time at the booth, so we we appreciate mm-hmm. that. So, um, all good. All right, that's all I had, Aaron. Did you have anything else before we wrap up with Jared? I, I did have one more question. Uh, yeah. Kind of around the time the time change for the PCA trade show has that. I know you guys attend both have have attended both TPE and PCA. Has the date change affected your view on the doing the two shows? Yeah. Not 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 really. TPE was a was is a is a good show for us because um, obviously it's an important customer with uh, uh, Pretech um, putting the trade show on, but also it's a different channel that we don't often get exposed to. There's there's you know significantly more vetting behind the accounts that we might open at a trade show like that relative to PCA, uh, yeah. where everybody there is you know primarily interested in premium cigars. Um, so, um, it's just a different trade show. It's inexpensive to attend and it's, um, it's, uh, at a, it, it was at a weird time of year where there was kind of a vacuum 
Um, yeah. Now it's a little bit closer, but um, it's still access to a channel that we don't typically have a lot of interaction with. So um, it's it's still worth doing for for okay. for my state. Good, good, awesome. So folks will be able to see you at TPE this year. I'm I probably will be there. Yeah, okay. Christoph will be there. Yeah, right, Christoph will be there. Yeah. I will. I will most likely. Yeah, unfortunately, I won't be there, and and the reason is the bet. Here is the the selfish thing, Garrett, about the trade show move. It it the spring is already log jammed for so much stuff. I I this year I didn't make a big. I cut back. I'm only doing two things in the first quarter, and that's it. So yeah. I and one of them's PCA. So um, it's just yeah, it's it was just it's unfortunately it was just too much for me to do to absorb it. So um. But it's not a knock on TP or anything. I just I had to make a call on something. So, yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. All right, all right. Uh, Jared, I want to thank you very much uh, for being on the show. Always great talking to you and catching up with you. Um, hopefully, I'll see you. If I don't see you uh, beforehand, I'll see you at the trade show. So I look forward to that for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and and excited for you to see kind of some of this new stuff that we're working on and. Um, as we get a little bit further, there will be the, you know, kind of circle of trust that gets <laughs> gets brought in around around uh, the design feedback and stuff like that. So I'd appreciate uh, if you guys would uh, lend an eye towards some of this uh, stuff for us. Absolutely, we always appreciate that. Yeah, sure, that'd be great. Absolutely, um, cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem. So, just a programming note. Uh, I think we mentioned it next week, uh, episode two ninety, December seventh. Les Mann will be the guest from ST DuPont, and we'll also be doing not just ST DuPont talk, but Les will be showing us his baseball cards and trading sports cards. So it should be pretty cool. So check that out as well. All right, Aaron, thanks again. Jared, thank you as well. And of course, thank you to our audience. Uh, that's going to wrap up primetime episode 289 into the annals of history for Thursday, November 30th, now Friday, December 1st on the East Coast. Uh, we'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. See you guys.